0: Well, good morning. It's good to be here this morning. We have a really quiet person in our church who's really hard to understand sometimes, and he just said something that you may not have all got. So, uh, Wendy Eros, where are you? Right Right there, okay. Let's welcome Wendy home. And uh, Wendy's back from Japan for a little while, and we're really glad to have you here. Wendy uh, and I work together. A number of years ago, and had some great times uh, together uh, here at Central Heights, and uh, warmly welcome you back, Wendy. Well, this morning, I'm excited about what we're talking about. We're talking about the whole aspect of intentional prayer, and uh, uh, one of the ways I wanted to start off with that is to look at, you know, how do kids pray? You know, what do kids do when they pray? What do they, what do they say? And so I looked online, and I thought, you know, I'm going to look for some ways that kids pray, and I found these letters to God that uh, kids had actually written, and I guess their parents had taken pictures and sent them in and stuff like that. So I'm going to take a look at a few of these to help us understand the way kids pray, and, and you might identify in some of these things. So if we could see the first one there, if you can read that, it says, Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want except my money and my chest set. All right, a little bargaining going on there. Everything but. The next one, God, I would like to live 900 years like the guy in the Bible. Anyone there? Anyone want the 900-year life? No, it's not too many, okay. Um, Dear God, mommy says all babies cry, but I don't think baby Jesus did. You must know the answer, so please write back. We have a bet. Parents, don't bet with your kids, with God. They'll find the answer, and it's not a win-win. So that's, that's awesome. I love it. Trying to get the up on mom and dad. God will have the answer. The next one, um, dear God, did you mean the giraffe to look like that, or was it an accident? <laughs> How many have ever wondered that? Like, huh? what, what? what? That doesn't make sense. Here's another one. Dear God. Please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, yeah, different office, different school. Here's another one. God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over. (laughs) So you can tell that was not from my kids or Rod's kids. They're actually praying the opposite. They don't lose as much hair as their dad. The next one is, Dear God, are you a ninja? I, is that why I can't see you? <laughs> love it. Here's another one. Dear God, in Bible times, did they really talk that fancy? Sometimes they, we've, we've talked and their kids have heard things that way. And then the last one, I really like this one too. Dear God, I think about you sometimes when I'm not praying. Ah, that's good. I love the honesty and the openness of kids that they just... They just, get, they just put it out there. They're just like their childlike curiosity. They're wondering uh, their needs, their desires, and, and they, they want answers. And so they take these to God. And I love that. I love their childlike faith. How is it for you when you're curious about something, when you have needs and desires in your life? Is it easy for you to come to God with them in prayer? Or, or do you find prayer difficult? You know, I think for all of us, it can be really easy at times, and, and it also can be r- really difficult. But my hope and prayer this morning is that all of us will be encouraged and inspired to grow in this area of being able to pray intentionally. Uh, this morning, I want to introduce uh, a couple of different uh, ships. Yeah, ships. It's, it's, I did say ships, so it sounds a little strange. and, and uh, But I want to introduce you a couple of different ships that help us understand prayer a little bit better. The intentional uh, prayer is our third value in our series of ten, and uh, th- these two aspects of prayer I want to encourage us with before we jump into that. The first chip is relationship. Prayer is a relationship with Abba Father. Romans 8.15 says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. When we come before God in prayer, I want us to get the idea that it's a, it's a relationship. It's not a task or it's not a check mark that we do in our Christian life. Oh, I know I'm supposed to pray, so okay, I prayed. Check. It's, a, it's an interaction with, with God the Father. As you look at these verses, it says, we did not uh, receive a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear. God doesn't want us to come fearing and terrorized before him that we can't even come before him. Yes, we need to have the fear of the Lord where we reverence and we honor who he is. But slaves were fearful. And it says here, you received this, uh, the spirit, sorry, you re- the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. In, in those days when someone was adopted, their rights and everything from that previous family were done away with. They were nullified. And when they were adopted into a new family, all the rights of that new family were now transferred to that son or that daughter. Isn't that amazing? God has called us to be his sons and his daughters. We have a relationship with him. And it says here we can call God Abba Father. Abba is a a word of endearment for father. It's like the word daddy or papa. God wants us to have a relationship with him that is, is, is Abba, daddy, Papa, it's a relationship with Him, and some of us this morning might think, "Well, I, I, I sometimes don't feel like that's the relationship I have. Sometimes I feel like, man, I just I've wrestled, and I wonder how can God ever? I don't even want to come to pray to Him because I know the things that I've done or the, way, the things that I've said, or I just feel like God is like, uh, He's mad at me." But I want us to understand, folks, that that if if you've accepted Christ into your life, you are now a child of the King. And you have an Abba Father, a Daddy in Heaven, who loves you. I want us just to camp on this for a second. I think it's really important. Right now, I want you to understand that God loves you. Let that sink in. It's not just something we hear, we do hear it a lot, but I want you to really understand the fact that God loves you. And he calls us our, his dearly loved sons and daughters. We're his children. It's a relationship with our Father in heaven. And as we think about coming before our Father in heaven, uh, and we talk about that, oh man, I just, I feel awkward in prayer, I don't feel like I'm, I'm good enough. No, God's, God's there going, come, come. I love you. You're my child. You're my son. I've, I've paid the price for you. In Ephesians uh, th- chapter 3, verse 12, it says, In him, in Christ, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. See, because, uh, because we're children of God, we can come as one of his kids. He's loving us. He's welcoming us. He's inviting us. We come as adopted sons and daughters of the king where the rights of the king are now ours. And God says, come boldly. Come with freedom to me. In Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace in our time of need. When do we need God the most? It's in our, when we're doing our worst, when we need the mercy and grace. But in that time, God says, come boldly Because Christ understands what you're going through. He has been tempted in every way that you have. Yet he didn't didn't sin. And so Jesus, when we think about prayer, he invites us. It says, dearly loved kids to come before him. The first part of the relationship is, uh, first ship is relationship. It's it's two-way communication. It's it's God speaking to us and and us talking back to God. As you think about your own prayer life, when you think about prayer, and you say you prayed for 10 minutes or five minutes, what percentage of that prayer would be you talking to God? Five minutes of prayer, how many of those minutes would be you talking to God when you think about prayer? You don't have to tell me, just think about that. God wants us to have a two way relationship. How often of those five minutes do we just stop and listen to God speaking to us? You know, if we go for coffee with someone or we're talking with somebody, what's it like if one person does all the talking? One, what kind of relationship is that, right? You just can't get a word in edgewise and it's like, and you just sit there. What's it, what's it like for, for the person who, who just does all the listening and, and it doesn't want to say anything, doesn't want to talk? It can be pretty awkward there. A healthy, good relationship is is talking, both talking and listening, both uh, speaking to one another and hearing from one another and responding to one another, and I, that's how God wants us to grow in our walk with Him. Um, I like the icon that we have for our prayer ministry, and if we could show it up here, it's got the got the speech bubbles. The one coming down on this side kind of is like us talking to God. The one from the top reminds us that God is also speaking to us. See, prayer is both us talking to God and Him communicating with us. It's a relationship. And relationships, like love, uh, relationships uh, need great communication. It's vitally important in our relationship with God. And, and as we see in the lives of many people in the Bible, uh, people like Abraham and Moses and David and Jesus and Paul and Peter, many more, they had this relationship with God. So the first ship I want you to remember is relationship. The second ship uh, is the ship of partnership. Prayer is partnership with God. What do I mean by that? Well, from the very start, when God created an Adam and Eve in the garden, He began a relationship with them and then a partnership with them in managing His creation. Genesis 1 God said, Let us make man, mankind, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over uh, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in His own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then what does he do? God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the house and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He made all of creation and he gave them dominion over all of his creation. And and one of those parts of that creation was the animals. The animals. And God said to to Adam, I'm going to bring all the animals to you and I want you to name them. And whatever you name them, that's what they're going to be named. God could have said, I'm going to come and I'm going to name all the animals. I'm just going to give that to you and then you're just going to do that and follow along and have dominion. No, God partnered with Adam. He says, I want to bring you into what I'm doing. I want you to have dominion and rule over them so I'm going to give you responsibility. I'm going to give you privilege to be able to partner with the animals. Now, I'm sure that was probably a real privilege and also possibly a little bit interesting for Adam as he looked at animals like the giraffe and go, what do I call this thing? What do I call this and that? But, but the names that Adam gave to the animals, that was their name. God partnered with them. And then a little farther, when it comes to populating the earth, God could have excluded Adam and Eve from the plan of, of bringing a multitude of people to this earth. He could have just, whatever, snapped his fingers and more people would have appeared. But what does he do? He works in and through Adam and Eve and their subsequent offspring to partner with them in the high calling of reproducing new human beings, spiritual beings who will last for eternity. God trusted Adam and Eve in that role. He partnered with them in that. You might be saying, well, that's really nice, Cam. Um, Animals, Noah, or not Noah. (laughs) Adam and Eve, all those nice things. That's really nice, but how does that pertain to prayer? Well, it comes back to that word, partnership. In his book, Intercessory Prayer, Dutch Sheets, says this, God chose from the time of creation to work on the earth through humans, not independent of them. He always has and always will, even at the cost of becoming one. Though God is sovereign and all-powerful, scripture clearly tells us that he limited himself concerning the affairs of the earth to working through human beings. God works through us and through our prayers. John Wesley, the great Methodist founder, said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Our prayers are vitally important and directly linked to God's activity in our circumstances and our world. Do you see how important prayer is? Because if we choose not to pray, we will miss out on some of the things that God wants to do. But if we get to be involved, but we get to be involved in the powerful ways that He is working in and through us as we partner with Him in prayer. So prayer is both relationship with God and partnership with God. And at Central Heights, one of our core values is intentional prayer. What do we mean by intentional prayer? I think it's on the screen there. Uh, we value prayer, and it's foundation to all ministry and spiritual growth. We believe that prayer expresses our dependence on God, our willingness to hear his voice, and our need to know his, life, or his will and life direction. There are four phrases that I want to help us understand uh, that God might want to say to us this morning, and I want to stop at this point and just pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here, and we welcome you, we welcome your spirit to speak to us this morning. We thank you, God, that you, you love us so much. And I pray for every single person in this room this morning, God, that you would pour out your love into their heart. That that they would know that you want relationship and and deep, loving, amazing relationship with them. And God, you also want to partner with us. And so God, as we look at uh, some ways that you were intentional in prayers, as we look at ways that we can be more intentional in prayer, I pray that your spirit would lead and guide us. And we just thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So the four phrases I want to work through here The first one, prayer is foundational to all of ministry and spiritual growth. Another way of saying that is is prayer is foundational to life change. God works through prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but I assume that most, if not all of you, don't want to just do church. What do I mean by that? Well, as I think about just doing church, it might look like coming to church each Sunday, singing a few songs, listening to the sermon, Going home uh, through the week, uh, maybe seeing some of the people you know, uh, maybe come back to, to church the next Sunday and repeat, uh, and do the same things week after week, going through the motions of church. But very little ministry growth and life change takes place. In general terms, that could be defined as, as doing church, and at Central Heights, we don't want to just do church. We want to see people's lives transformed by Jesus. And Anyone else agree with that? Do you you want to see people's lives being transformed by Jesus? Okay, there's a few of us with us. Thank you. We want to see life change. I mean, if nobody's life is being changed for the better, if people are not being set free by the good news of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, if people are not growing in their relationship with God, if addictions are not being broken, if marriages and relationships are not being restored, if healings are not taking place, If we're not making a tangible difference in our city and our world, then I submit to you that we're wasting time. Now, please don't understand me. There is a lot of prayer happening at Central Heights and through the people of Central Heights and people's lives are changing, it is happening. My point is that our partnership with God in prayer is foundational to people's lives being changed. It was that way for Jesus and he left us an example to follow. Look at Jesus' ministry. Lives were radically changed. And soon after Jesus had spent 40 days in the desert at the beginning of his ministry, praying, fasting, he was being tempted there as well, he comes to the synagogue in his hometown. He unrolls the the scroll and temple, and he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, Jesus didn't come to just put in time. He brought the kingdom of God to earth. He healed the sick. He preached the good news to the poor. He cast out demons. He set the captives free. He turned water into wine. He fed the 5,000. He raised the dead and much, much, much more. Jesus had ministry opportunities all around him. People were flocking to him for him to minister to him. And and he changed people's lives everywhere he went. Yet, it amazes me how much Jesus prayed. It wasn't just that he came down and just did his thing. He prayed, and he prayed a lot. In fact, he turned down ministry opportunities so he could be intentional about prayer. In Luke 5, starting at verse 12, there's been a number of things that he's been doing since he he quoted that passage in the temple. But we pick it up in verse 12. He says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Jesus loves to heal. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one but go and show yourself to the priest and then make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof of to them. See what happens here? But now, even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. People are coming from all over. Jesus is having such a radical impact on their lives. People are being healed. People are being set free and they're telling everybody. And these massive crowds are coming. I mean, Jesus could have gone around the clock ministering to people, healing people, praying for people, preaching the good news. But the last verse there has, has struck me. It says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. All this ministry's happening, but Jesus said, no, I need to set that good thing aside and I need to go be with my father. The NIV says that Jesus often withdrew to solitary places and prayed. Jesus was so intentional. Could have done ministry all the time. Good things. People needing him. People needing him healing. He said, had, had, there came points where Jesus said, you know what? I can't. i got to go be intentional. I need to go spend time with my father. And as Jesus needs that, uh, that relationship with his father, as Jesus needs to connect with him, uh, we do as well. And, it, and there's times where we're going to need to set aside things in our lives, sometimes even good things, to be intentional about being with our father. The second phrase I want us to look at is prayer express, expresses our dependence upon God. Jesus was totally dependent on the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now think about this. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before creation lived in perfect community, perfect harmony, perfect unity, loving communication all the time. They were talking, uh, communicating, joining each other's fellowship when they were created. It was an amazing time that they had together, amazing unity. They loved doing, uh, communicating with each other and did so continually continually. Until Jesus came to earth. He set aside that constant close relationship with the other two members of the Trinity to come to earth and become one of us humans. I believe he missed that glorious time in God's presence, talking, listening, being together. He gave that up to come and be with us. And while he lived a sinless life, he experienced the aches, the pains, the stresses, the expectations and pressures, and the spiritual warfare that we faced. Jesus got tired, got weary lonely. Experience the same temptations that we do. So Jesus got a way to connect with his Father, to experience his love, his his affirmation, his encouragement, his strengthening, his perspective, his infilling, his presence, his wisdom, and more. I can imagine this was like a, a, a taste of heaven again for Jesus, to spend time with his Father and to be refreshed, renewed, and to be fed. You see, Jesus was both fully God and fully man, but when he came to earth, He set aside his his God powers and depended totally on his Father and on the Holy Spirit to live in and through him. If Jesus had not depended on the Father and the Spirit, he would have accomplished very little of what he did and very few, if any, lives would have been changed. So prayer reminds us that the power of life is found in God, not in us. Jesus' power to heal the sick and, and raise the dead and do all those things, he needed to be empowered. He needed to be dependent upon his Father. And uh, it reminds us that while we're weak, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine according to his power, his power, that is at work in us. It reminds us that Jesus depended on his father and we need to depend on him too. Prayer is a way of saying to God, I need you. You are God and I am not, but I'm depending on you to live your life through me. So at Central Heights, we value prayer and its foundation, first of all, uh, to all of ministry and spiritual growth. Secondly, we believe prayer expresses our dependence on God. And thirdly, prayer expresses our willingness to hear his voice. As we were talking about earlier, it's a two-way conversation. Another reason why Jesus valued prayer is because he needed to hear his Father's voice. Prayer for Jesus is not one way. It was a conversation between he and the Father. He needed to experience the love of the Father, but he also needed wisdom guidance and direction for his life and ministry. How do we know that? Well, in John 5, 17, Jesus says, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. And a couple of verses later in John 5, 19 to 20, it says, verily I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. The, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he does, does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you'll be amazed. How did Jesus see what the Father was doing? How did the Father show him all he does? I believe prayer played a huge part in that. Whether it was in the times of prayer that he got away for or in moment-to-moment conversation as Jesus walked along the way. I believe the Father shared with Jesus lots of insights as to what he was up to, what he had in store for Jesus to do. And Jesus was intentional about hearing from his Father. The fourth phrase of our value statement on intentional prayer is that prayer expresses our need to know God, God's will, and life direction. When the disciples had come to Jesus and they'd asked him to teach him to pray, one of the things Jesus uh, says, first of all, he starts them out with, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We sang about that a minute ago. Jesus takes the focus off of them and says, I want you to look to me, to my Father. Get your eyes on Jesus when you pray. Realize who it is you're talking to. And then second thing he says, uh, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer saying to God, God, I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to come, kingdom to come to this earth. I want it to be on earth as it is in heaven. It reminds us that God wants us to partner in relationship with Him, to bring His kingdom realities, the ministry things that we just talked about, that Jesus did, to bring those kingdom realities to us to us here at Central Heights, to the city of Abbotsford, into the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to do here amongst us what he did back in Jesus' time? Amen. Amen. Okay? He's doing it. He wants to do it. He wants to do it in greater ways. God wants to transform lives in and through us. And, he, and the example he gives is, your, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants us to pray that his kingdom would come And his will be done here. I really believe that. And I believe he wants to do it in in my life. I believe he wants to do it in your life, in our church, in our city, and beyond. Jesus modeled coming to the Father to know his will and give him direction. Here's just one example. Jesus had a number of disciples, and it came time to pick 12 of them. And uh, in those days, when you were a rabbi, my understanding is that the rabbis would have disciples under them, and the the top of the top, the top learners, the top students would become disciples. They would become close to the rabbi. But Jesus picked 12 people, and as you know, they were fairly ordinary people. And In fact, one or two of them were were tax collectors. They weren't really liked by a lot of the people. Why did he do that? One of the things that we know about Jesus is that in Luke chapter 6, uh, Jesus had a big uh, decision to make. You know, did he, did he do rock, paper, scissors and the 12 best guys that won? You know, rock, paper, scissors, you're out. Rock, papers, sc- you're in. No. Did he pick the 12 best political candidates from the, the Galilee provincial election? No. It says in verse 12 and 13 of Luke 6, it says, one of those days Jesus went to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Jesus took a night in prayer. He said, you know, these three guys that are going to be spending the rest of my ministry time here with me, these three guys who I'm going to live, uh, live with all the time, spend time with, eat with, be with all the time. That's an important decision. And so Jesus got together with his father and said, God, who are these guys? You know, these aren't guys that we may have picked on ourselves, but they're the, the guys that the father wanted Jesus to pick. And he understood, he got direction from his father and picked the 12 guys that would eventually become the apostles and founders of the, of the early church. Jesus gave up a night for three years of, of that decision. He was intentional about prayer. He modeled that prayer as both a relationship with God and a partnership with God. Prayer was foundation to the life change that came from his ministry. Through prayer, he depended upon his Father. He listened to his voice, and it enabled him to know God's will and direction in his life and ministry. Church, I want to encourage you that God is at work in and through the prayers of this community. This community of believers here at Central Heights Church. I look back to uh, Jesse's uh, jar of rocks thing that he did with youth and whenever they had an answer to prayer, uh, they put a rock in the jar. I think they had close to 200 rocks. Where is Jesse? Something like that. Something like 200 rocks of, of middle school kids going, here's answers to prayer. And uh, we've seen Jesus work in powerful ways in people's lives. There's Even in the last number of weeks, there's people who have come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. We've seen people get baptized. Uh, we've prayed for healing. And some of those people we've, have experienced healing. We've seen others set free through prayer. And there's many other answered prayers that we aren't even aware of. And if I asked you this morning, how many of you have seen an answer to prayer in the last week? I'm sure many of you would say, yes, I've seen God answer prayer. In the last few months, I've been so blessed to see how God has been speaking to people and impacting their lives. It's been so fun for me. Um, As we've taken some time just to say, okay, God, we want to hear what your plan is for an evening. Uh, Excuse me, we've had some nights of prayer, some worship nights. We've had a prayer team that just said, okay, God, tonight's happening. What is your heart for tonight? Are there any themes that you want to speak to us about? Are there any words or or pictures or things that you want to give to us? We're open to hearing from you. A few weeks ago, you heard how uh, Latifah shared about how God was working her life with a coworker and and she really had wanted to share with this coworker and just didn't have um, peace about that or just really wrestled with it. Well, God spoke to her from a word from that prayer night as you heard and she was able to go and talk, talk with that woman. That woman wept to know that someone cared for her that way. But God spoke to her and she responded and ministered to that woman. There's another one I want to share with you um, where, as our prayer team met, uh, we just asked God, God, what are you saying? And some of these things may sound different that you may have heard before, and that's okay, but sometimes God gives, he can give a, a verse, he can give uh, a word, a picture, a thought, and one of our prayer people had this picture of someone dealing with a scalp issue with their hair. We didn't, I don't know, we didn't know who it was, but we we realized that when God gives us words, when God speaks to us about things, we may not understand it, but we, by faith, shared that with the people in the worship night that night, and we just said, this is one of the many words, don't know if it applies or not, and uh, we went on and we prayed. Um, someone came up to me afterwards, Ruth Maxwell, and she said, you know, I have, a, I have a friend in East Africa who literally right now is having her hair falling out. She's in a stressful situation, she's, been in, a, she's in a dark place, she's been a missionary for many years, and her hair is falling out. And, and I just felt like, okay, God, you mentioned this, this situation you've led us to ahead of time. I know the prayer meeting is done, but let's pray for this woman. So we gathered a few people around and we prayed with Ruth for this, her friend in East Africa. And Ruth just texted her and said, hey, we got some people praying for you. So we prayed for her and, and then you know, we finished that and then we had a little bit more time and then our group got together, our, the prayer team, just to debrief the night. And, and Ruth had been getting texts back from this missionary friend uh, in in East Africa, and so we just felt, you know what, God, God, what do you want us to pray for her? And and we just took a moment, and then we felt God was speaking. We prayed into that, and um, yeah, we just we just we just took the lead that God gave us. And, and Ruth had texted a couple times back. It didn't really seem like our prayers were making a big impact at the time, and so we prayed for her. And um, there were some things we felt God was was wanting for her, and and. Uh, We left it, and we knew she was coming home because she was going to need to be on a leave, but uh, a couple weeks later, Ruth emailed me, and she said, "Um, I just wanted to update you on my friend in East Africa, and I'm just going to read part of that, what she said. Ruth said that her friend talked at length about the impact of the group praying for her. Absolute strangers praying into her very difficult situation, brought together into the picture by God, and linked with her directly through a cell phone. As you know, it was early morning where she was, and so I was texting her things that the group was praying for her. She, in turn, was t- uh, texting back. Ruth says, what I learned on Saturday was that during the, s- the call, while I was texting her that the group was praying for her, she was on her end, weeping, as she comprehended the gift from God this was to her in that very dark spot. At the end of the call, she sat down and wrote out the whole thing in her journal and ended it with, God, how did you do that for me? Ruth says what, what the prayer team had sensed was true. She needed to know that God was raising up an army to stand with her. And the message came through loud and clear. It met her need at that immediate moment. Ruth goes on to share seven different things that her friend was able to know, believe, and do before she left that gave her great encouragement, great hope, a great life to her. We've seen a number of times where God has spoken to specific people in ways, how he's brought freedom, healing, and life to them. It's been so good to see that God knows where people are at and speaks in ways to the situations they're dealing with. Do you think God cares about us? When we pray, is he able to use our prayers to minister to people here in Abbotsford, not just here in Abbotsford, but to people halfway across the world? Like, you think about that. This woman in East Africa, suffering, deep, dark place. And God comes to some people at Central Heights and goes, hey, I want you to pray for my daughter over here. And we pray, and God works in a powerful situation. We partner with God, and God works in her life, brings healing, life, restoration, and she's renewed and restored. The Lord. Is that a good story? Is that amazing what God does? Does God see our situation and prompt other people to pray for us in bringing hope, strength, and healing life? Does he prompt other people to pray uh, sorry, does it prompt us to pray for others and partner with them in ministering to their needs? Does he want his kingdom to come and his will to be done in, here in our church, our city, and our world? Does he? He does. Church, prayer changes things. God works powerfully through prayer. Are you with me? Amen. We have a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. Do we believe it? Do do you want to see God move more powerfully in your life? Do you want to grow in your relationship with God and partner with him? Do you want to see him work more powerfully in the lives of our church family here at Central Heights? Do you want to see him work powerfully in our city and bring revival and life change to those who are lost and without hope here in Abbotsford? Do you want to see him do the same in our nation and the rest of the world? I hope you do. I hope that's something to go, yes, I want to see God work in powerful ways. I have a few suggestions of some, some ways that, that uh, I want to encourage you with. Um, some on the personal level, there's, there's many ways to, to be intentional in, in prayer with, with God. Remember that it's a relationship with your daddy, your Abba Father. Uh, there's many different ways that you can spend time with him. Some people like to go out in creation. Some people will put some worship music on. Some people uh, like to, to do things uh, in the same place at the same time all the time. That's, there's many different ways to grow in your relationship with God. My, my, my point is to be intentional about prayer. Be intentional about building that relationship with God. It might be journaling. It might be talking uh, through him throughout the day as you're going along. The little boy that says, God, I sometimes think about you even when I'm not praying. When we think about God, we can pray. We can talk to him. God, will you please help me in this situation? God, I pray for my friend over here. We can do a lot of those things personally whenever, wherever, about whatever. We can boldly come because of Jesus. There's a few other opportunities. We have our post-service prayer, and we're gonna have that in a few minutes. It's prayer at the end uh, of our services for anything you may have, Uh, anything you wanna pray for. We have a prayer team that will pray for you. We have a prayer chain. I think the address is up on there. If you have prayer for any need, you can get on our prayer chain. I think we have about 75 people on that prayer chain. When your prayer request goes out, those people pray. I'd encourage you to, to avail yourself of that. The, you can check it out, uh, get it off our website or uh, it's here. Also, if you want to be on that prayer chain, says, you know what, I want those requests. I want to pray for people. You can also let us know that and we'd be happy to, to have it there. We have elder prayer, Sunday mornings at 9.45, uh, many times praying for healing. James tells us, if anyone's sick, let them come to the elders, and they will pray and anoint them with oil. Um, and so that happens 9.45 on Sunday mornings in room 3011. There's other opportunities to pray with other people. When we pray with each other, that's a very powerful thing. There's a corporate or group prayer. Many of you are in a, in a small group, or a three and four, or a mid-sized group, or one of the women's groups, or the men's groups. Praying with other people, that's an amazing way to, to pray God's kingdom to come in our church, our city, and our world. A week from tomorrow night, May 8th, we're having uh, um, our Come for Prayer Nights. It's a time to, if you have a personal need, you can come and pray. If you want to come and pray for our city, our world, our church, we're going to have different stations here that you can come and just pray and, and uh, pray that, partner with God in the ministry that he wants to do. We have our, uh, our pre-service prayer that happens Sunday mornings at 9, a, 9 a.m. Anyone is welcome to come to that. Again, in room 3011 that we get together and we pray and ask God to work powerfully amongst us. We have a faithful group of, of people that have been praying for many, many years called our Early Riser Prayer, 7.30 on, Sunday, on Wednesday mornings, where they pray for literally hundreds of people each week, and we hear about what God's doing. I encourage you to be a part of that. And we have worship nights where we come and we worship God together. That's part of prayer as well. And uh, we also have some praying time. That, the next one is June the 15th. These are ways that we can live out this this intentional this value of intentional prayer. In a few moments, we're going to move into a time of communion, and so I'd like to ask those who are serving to please prepare for that at this time. Um, and I want to close with uh, a, a couple of quotes here from a book that I read this last summer called Canadian Mantles of Revival, written by someone by the name of Sarah Maynard, who's, who studied and, and, and looked at all the many different, different um, revivals that have happened in Canada. How many of you have been a part of one of those revivals, whether it's Saskatoon or Hamilton or Vancouver or some of the other ones? Anyone here? A few hands? Okay. She writes this book about it, about revival. And she says, regarding the connection between prayer and revival, she says, prayer stands head and shoulders above every other factor and the most critical contributor to revival. Folks, if we want to see people's lives changed, prayer. It is vitally, vitally important to do that. If we're not praying, people's lives are not going to be changed the way that God wants them to. And as I was reading her book, this first paragraph jumped out at me. I think it's on the screen as well. It says, she says, Now because of Christ, we have been given full access at any time, day or night, to the Father. We are invited right into, get this, the most epicenter of power in the universe. We, uh, if that's not stunning enough, we not only have unlimited access and welcome to the throne room in presence of God, but we have His ear. We are invited to approach and speak, not just to watch in awe. With the continual call to prayer throughout Scripture, both in direct exhortation and an example, it's clear that this is a role that God wants us all to be active in. And one of the chief reasons is that it's such meaningful labor. It's so amazingly fruitful. He wants our lives to count for eternity. So he calls us to prayer. For in the throne room experience of intercession, we can literally shift nations as we partner with him. Invited into the most epicenter power of the universe. Wow. God wants us to be active in prayer, wants our lives to count for eternity. We can literally shift nations as we partner with him. Let's pray. Wow, God, thank you. Thank you that although you are God in the the most amazing, most all-powerful, most loving, most just God, you welcome us as your children. You call us to partner with you. You call us to build a relationship with you, a loving relationship with our Father. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, help us to be intentional in spending time with you whatever way that may look for each person. Lord, help us to be intentional to spend time both hearing your voice and speaking to you. Lord, may we grow in being dependent upon you. May we see that, God, if if lives are gonna be changed, we need to be praying, we need to be intentional. Lord, that as we pray, Lord, you work, prayer changes things, you're a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. And so, God, I pray for each person that's here this morning, that you would just really work powerfully in our lives, Lord, that you'd inspire us and, and that you'd grab a hold of us. And as we see answers to prayer, God, that we would just grow deeper and deeper in our love relationship with you. And God, that we would do life with you and with the people in our church and community to see life change happen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, I just want to pray for this time where we're going to partake in communion. I just pray that, Lord, that as we do that, Lord, that you would just pour your love in our hearts that we remember what you accomplished for us. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite the communion servers to come and to serve us. And just a couple words uh, as they do. I want us to, uh, to remember one part about uh, Jesus dying on the cross is we remember his death and resurrection, and we're talking about prayer this morning. If you remember when Jesus died, when he breathed his last, uh, there was a great earthquake. Uh, the veil in the temple was torn in two. That signified that we now have full access to the Father. In, in the old covenant, uh, we didn't have, the priest usually went to the temple. The priest met with, with, Jesus, with, with God the Father behind the veil because that was the Holy of Holies. But when Christ came, he tore that veil, gave us full access to the Father, introduced a new covenant to us. That's one of the many things that we're remembering this morning. So I just uh, invite you, as as the communion elements are being shared, just to take some time and and to to pray, talk with Jesus. Thank him for what he's done. Just take this time to, to think upon him.